Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking whether there's any truth to claims that some people had COVID written on their death certificate when, in fact, they didn't have COVID at all. As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us using the hashtag Medical Minefield or write to us at health at mailonsunday.co.uk. Now, Eve, this is a debate that seems to have rumbled on since almost the beginning of the pandemic. The idea that people were being logged as COVID deaths when, in fact, they didn't have COVID. And it's formed part of a, a web of of scepticism, conspiracy theories, whatever you want to call it. The idea that the pandemic wasn't as bad mm. as essentially the government made or that, out. that some people did have COVID, but it wasn't COVID that killed them. It was other things that killed them. And they just so happened to be infected with COVID. And my understanding is this began because of the way that COVID deaths were first logged, that the, a COVID death was considered at the beginning of the pandemic a death within 28 days. However, that meant you could test positive for COVID, recover, be walking down the street weeks later, get hit by a bus and then be logged as a COVID death. It also meant on the flip side, at the very beginning of the pandemic, when we didn't have great access to tests. It meant there were lots of people who, you know, weren't getting tested for COVID and therefore weren't involved in those figures because they didn't have a test. And because of these concerns, pretty rapidly there was a change made in that there were two COVID deaths figures that began to be reported on the government's website. One was based on this 28 days post-COVID test mm-hmm. figure, and the other was based on the Office of National Statistics data, which collects death Takes certificates. Death certificates yeah. So people who'd had COVID written on their death certificates. And it was thought that this was going to settle the matter, but it didn't. No. So there's a a fundamental problem which has been pointed out previously, and that is that when you record a death, you can record it either as a direct death that has resulted from a condition or an event, or you can say it was involving a condition Mm. and another significant condition. Yeah. So I've I've seen these forms, and you have you have different categories. So you've got cause. 1A, 1B, mm. 2A, 2B. Mm. So it's not just one cause of death. You'll have a, a primary cause, say, you know, if pneumonia gets you, and then you'll have 1B, which is COVID, yeah. which is what caused the pneumonia. The underlying cause. The underlying mm-hmm. cause of the death. And then there may have been contributory factors, like the fact that you were terribly ill with cancer and diabetes and all sorts of things, and they might be B and C. However, people began to question whether, in fact, just having COVID written anywhere on the death certificate would get logged as a COVID death. So the Office of National Statistics, in response to freedom of information requests, reacted to this, didn't they? Yes, people have said that what's logged as COVID deaths are people who have died with COVID. And a lot of people say it's a very important distinction, because if you you die with COVID, then that means it's logged, as you said, as a secondary other significant condition. So the Office for National Statistics looked at all of their data and tried to differentiate between the number of deaths that were with COVID and, and of COVID. Of COVID. And, and what did they say? They found that about 90% of them were actually of COVID. So that's COVID as primary Direct 1A, cause. 1B cause of death. Yes. 
But this didn't settle the debate either. It still hasn't settled the matter. So now there are a growing number of experts who say that, you know, in hindsight, even with that 1A, 1B category, it may be that there was a significant number of patients who in fact were classed as as having died from COVID as a 1A or 1B category, when in fact it should have gone down as a contributing factor or in fact not been mentioned on the death certificate at all. In this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, we're going to outline an exclusive new report into this. A group of scientists at Oxford University, in conjunction with charity Collateral Global, have analysed hundreds and hundreds of freedom of information requests on this very subject to try and get to the bottom of this chaotic picture of people misrecording these deaths, basically saying that someone died of COVID when there was no suggestion that they did. One of the most shocking things that they uncovered for me was that essentially people working in care homes were certifying deaths And the only way that the doctor who's supposed to do the certification of death was viewing the patient was over a mobile phone. So they were basically holding up a mobile phone over a dead body and the doctor was saying, yes, I agree, this is a COVID death. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that doctor had had nothing to do with the care of that patient, didn't know anything about it, was going on the word of someone who's probably a medically untrained professional in a very, very stressful situation. And that was being counted as a COVID death. That's a pretty chaotic situation, although there's no terrible conspiracy there. It's not, for instance, a cover up. You know, what a mess. Absolutely. And also what's striking is that the protocol was different depending on where you were working or where where you were a patient. So there were some NHS hospitals that, you know, in this report, the FOI requests have shown that some NHS hospitals were actually sticking to the rules that a COVID death was a COVID death if it was within 28 days of a positive test, which actually isn't what the Office for National Statistics require in order to be counted as a COVID Ah. death in their tallies. So there was no standardisation across the different public health bodies, which is a problem. So it begs the question, it was our world-beating COVID death rate really yeah. all it seemed? And the answer is, you know, perhaps not. Yeah, but I think first we should hear from the authors of this report. Yes, on the line now we have Professor Carl Hennigan of Oxford University's Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine, an epidemiologist and GP, and also Dr Tom Jefferson, who is an epidemiologist and author with medical review body Cochrane. So we're talking today about your fascinating report and and thank you for for sharing that with us. It's a debate that's rumbled on since the beginning of the pandemic, the idea that people were being labelled as having died of COVID when they died of other things, that they were very ill and, and may have died anyway of other causes or perhaps, you know, had a COVID test a while earlier and then got hit by a bus. And all of this was getting lumped in as a COVID death. Is this really an ongoing concern that our COVID death rate isn't right? First of all, in epidemiology, death is the one outcome which is certain. There is no quibbling about death. An accurate death attribution is important to gauge the threat and to be able to compare it with other threats by other different infectious agents. The second reason is to assess the evolution of the pandemic over time. And deaths are, if correctly attributed, an excellent indicator. The third reason is to assess the impact of any measure that we may take, drugs, vaccines, distancing, quarantine, hygiene, and so on, all the measures that we are so familiar with. 
The fourth reason is if some of these measures are working very well and some of these other measures are not very, working very well, then we can tweak those measures. If they don't work, we stop them. But if they do work, more of them. The final reason there is, has been, and there is, continues to be, a lot of public disquiet about this whole business. So these are very good reasons why we need accurate attribution of death in COVID, but in any other pandemic or situation. Absolutely. And what you've discovered is that there hasn't been an accurate attribution of, of these deaths, that it's all a bit of a mess, really. You talked about the number of deaths. Even if you go on the coronavirus government website, you've got two different figures. For instance, within 28 days in the UK, there are 163,000 deaths within 28 days of a PCR positive test. Whereas if you use COVID-19 on the death certificate, that's 185,000 deaths. Yeah, there's a big difference, 22,000. Well, immediately you start to ask the question, well, which one should we trust? Then there is this concept, the underlying cause of death. In effect, that's the most important aspect, the cause that led to a chain of events that led to the death of this individual. So, for instance, if a person had a heart attack, went into hospital, had COVID, and then respiratory failure, the underlying cause would be the heart attack. But if it was the other way around, they had COVID, then had a heart attack, and then had respiratory failure, it's the other way around. And you can see why that's incredibly important to understand now, the Office for National Statistics, the ONS who produced this data set, have tried to say, well, we've looked at it and it's 90 percent underlying cause of death is COVID. But there are things in the data set that we see that are anomalous. So, for instance, a significant portion of death certificates only have COVID on the death certificate, nothing else. And this is particularly important in areas like care homes, where about 13 percent of the certificates only had COVID on the death certificate. Why is that a problem, Carl? Well, it starts to make, make you concerned that there's some errors in the death certificate because by the very nature of people who are in care homes, they have lots of comorbidities that contribute to their death. So there should be more than one issue, COVID, on the death certificate. Now, when you look at the reason for that, it's probably because care homes have the ability set by the Care Quality Commission to decide on the death based on the care home provider's reasoning. So there may have not been any tests, nobody was checking any of these deaths, and therefore you can just put on the death certificate COVID, and that death will then not be required to be talked through with the coroner, and nobody's going to ask questions about it. Am I not right in thinking that even in those situations, it still had to be, as part of this emergency response guidance, it still had to be looked over by a doctor, but that could be remote. So a care home provider could be holding up a mobile phone, for instance, but there had to be a doctor writing the certificate. Is that right? So here's what happens is normally a death certificate can be issued by the doctor if they've seen the patient within 14 days of their death. That was extended to 28 days for the coronavirus period, and it's still 28 days. And it can be in a video cam or a webcam type approach. Can you diagnose COVID via video cam or webcam? Well, look, here's the interesting thing. If you look at what we found within the Care Quality Commission, here's their transparency statement on death. The inclusion of a death in the public figures as involving COVID-19 is based on the statement of the care home provider which may or may not correspond to a medical diagnosis or test result 
or B, reflected in the death certification. Therefore, we are utterly confused by what's going on in terms of the assignment of death in places like care homes. And we think there have been assumptions made and there are errors in those figures. Let me just finish Carl's quote. This is a direct quote from the Care Quality Commission to a, a member of the public. The rest of the quote says, we, the Care Quality Commission, do not undertake any validation of the data provided to us. We do not contact the provider about the data, except in cases where the form is incomplete. So what we see is huge dashboards and lots of information and news about death when they come out. But nobody's asking these basic accuracy questions. Two years in, why can't we tell you how many people that, that underlying cause was COVID with some certainty? One of the ways to do that is you take a subset of deaths and you go and check them. As far as Tom and I are aware, within all of these answers, nobody's done that. I think that's right, isn't it, Tom? Yes, we found 14 different terms that were related to causality used by the different bodies. So does this all mean that the COVID death rate could be an overcount? And if so, do we know by how much? Well, I think there are two issues. Number one is people will jump to the wrong conclusions and you can do it both ways. So we've seen some people go, ah, because COVID is the only cause or the sole cause, they're the only people who die from COVID. Well, that's an incorrect statement. But your second one is you can overcount for some reason. And, and I think that also is a problematic area. What's key is accuracy. And with accuracy, it allows you to understand in certain settings, was it that in care homes, COVID was the predominant underlying cause of death, or was it other features? Now, if you can answer that, you can understand there where to put your resources to try and affect the outcome. These are fundamental questions to answer before producing these very big, large data sets. You know, the COVID death rate is very low now and has been for a while. Do you think that this is no longer a problem or could there still be, you know, this kind of chaotic situation occurring? Viral respiratory disease is here to stay and you're not going to be able to eradicate it. You're not going to be able to do anything other than suffer its ravages during what looked like seasonal peaks. Now, some measures could be used to mitigate the effects of these. Now, if you go into a situation in the future which you haven't learned from the mistakes of the past, you're going to repeat the mistakes of the past, especially if you're urged on by panic. So we have to be realistic, humble, and understand that there is a limit to our knowledge, but we should learn from our past mistakes. Tom's point's really well taken, but look, in Denmark now, they're seeing spikes in death. And this time around, they've tried to say, this is actually due to people dying with COVID rather than from COVID. Therefore, don't worry about it. And we're perplexed at how they've come to that conclusion because you have to have very clear definitions to come to that conclusion. So through summer, we generally see far less death than we do in winter. Now, we will be OK. I think people will go through this summer and say everything's looking OK. But as the pathogens reemerge into the winter, we'll see rises in death. And people will start to come back and say, if this is more COVID, we are need restrictions. Now, what we're saying is, if you're going to move forward with this level of testing using PCR and this mode of identification, you need to have highly accurate data on whether these deaths are from or with COVID. And two years in, this needs sorting now, and it can be sorted.
how would it be sorted? What you do is when you've got, say, a thousand deaths and you've assigned them death certificates of COVID, you take a sample of them and try and validate the accuracy. When people have done that in the past, they've showed in some studies that the death certificates can be erroneous and in up to 80% of the cases, 80% of the certificates will contain an error in some way. And then errors can be omission or they can be the causes of death are in the wrong place. Because when you fill a death certificate, you have at the top 1A, the immediate cause of death, and then you go down 1B, 1C. Now, what's important is where you put them on, the one at the lowest level is the underlying cause that led to everything else that followed. So many of the death certificates often have that in the wrong place. Well, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Tom Jefferson and Professor Carl Hennigan. You're welcome. Bye-bye now. I guess the key question in my head is... I can understand how all of this happened, but it sounds like it's not very different to how deaths are reported anyway. So are we seeing more mistakes than we would see in any normal death reporting situation because it's COVID? But it's not a death, a normal death reporting situation, is it? Because you've got a pandemic and you've got vast numbers of people you know, dying of various things. And I think the really relevant thing is that Although people who say, oh, you know, the death was an overcount, probably mistaken to an extent because overall we saw this vast number of additional deaths, excess deaths Mm. during the pandemic, more than you would ever normally see during any other year. There was this huge number of additional excess deaths. Absolutely. And it was concentrated, actually, in in the first wave. Yeah. But we we didn't know what many of the causes of those were. And there was a big question mark. There was lots of people dying at home and there was no known cause whatsoever there was no death certificate produced um, because of this chaotic system and protocols being overwhelmed and such like. So it's the fact that there's a question mark over it at all. And uh, the next person on the line is is going to try and help explain some of that, I think. Yes, so joining us now is Kevin McConway, who is Emeritus Professor of Applied Statistics at The Open University. Kevin, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. We're discussing today the idea that people were being assigned as COVID deaths when in fact they didn't have COVID at all and they might have died of other causes, just happened to have COVID. And certainly people have written to the Mail on Sunday and our sister newspaper, the Daily Mail, saying that they're convinced this happened to their relative or loved one, that they just happened to have COVID and there was there was many things wrong with them and that the virus wasn't what killed them. How much of a problem do you think this is? Well, it's a difficult problem. I mean, I can see why individuals might be upset or alarmed or, you know, not happy about the fact that their relatives, their loved ones, death certificate doesn't say what they would have expected it to say. I mean, it's also a possibility it might go the other way. I mean, I don't know if you ever get people getting in touch like this who say that, well, I think the, you know, the reason my, my mother or whatever died is because of COVID. And actually, look, the death certificate doesn't say that. She tested positive, blah, 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 blah. You, you know, mistakes can go either way. And that's worrying at one level. I mean, there are bound to be errors in this process on an individual basis. I mean, these things are done in a great rush under a lot of pressure, particularly when there's a a lot of people there during a COVID wave, a lot of people are dying. We all know what sort of pressures the health service is under. The question is, how many and how important are they to the public health message? My feeling is that they might roughly have balanced out. 
it's because there are other ways of looking at deaths, you know, apart from just looking at what says in the death certificate. So you mean that some people would have been assigned a COVID death when they had died of other causes, but then people who hadn't been assigned COVID deaths who really did die of COVID didn't have it on their death certificate, so it all kind of evened out, and, and most of them were right in the end. It's really difficult to be sure of what the exact numbers are, but two things I want to say. One is there is this division in terms of what's recorded on the basis of the death certificates between deaths where the underlying cause was COVID and deaths where the underlying cause wasn't COVID, but it happens to be mentioned somewhere else on the death certificate. Now, the thing is, some people get very exercised by that and say, well, it makes a huge difference. I'm not claiming it makes no difference. I think it does make a difference. But they are all deaths where COVID was involved. A doctor shouldn't be putting COVID on the death certificate just because the person happened to test positive for it. If they put it in the uh, the bit the death certificate that says these are things which contributed to the death which but didn't cause it, that would mean that maybe they made the death happen more quickly than it would otherwise have happened. Maybe they made the last illness of the poor person who died worse than it would otherwise have been. Now, if that happened, that wouldn't be necessarily recorded as the underlying cause of death. But that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It does matter. It just matters in a slightly different way. You trust that the doctor's judgment, that if it is there on the certificate, then we can trust that that means that it's there for a reason because it played a role. What I like to do on this is it's important to look at the numbers of excess deaths. That is the number of deaths that happened more than the number of deaths you would expect to happen if there wasn't a pandemic or something going on. Those calculations of excess deaths don't care about what the doctors have written for the cause of death. They just count up how many people died compared to how many people would have died. I'm not saying there are never mistakes in recording in the data whether somebody's died, but they're going to be far less than there might be mistakes in recording the, the cause of death. If you look in the first wave, for example, of the pandemic, in spring 2020, the number of deaths that were happening in England and Wales were over double the number that would have been expected to happen. And those deaths must have been being caused by something. Now, one can agonise about which particular ones might be assigned to have COVID as its underlying cause, which ones might not be. But I don't think there's much evidence that they were being caused by anything else on a major scale, certainly not during that first wave. Didn't we read during that first wave and that first year of the pandemic that cardiology clinics were empty, A&Es were empty, people thought the NHS was closed for business and there was this worry that sepsis deaths, for instance, disappeared. I know that that was reported. Where did they go? Where did all those patients who normally are dying of sepsis and dying of heart attacks and dying of heart failure and dying of all, all these other things. Where did they disappear to during that first year? I think there are differences between the times during that first year when the, the deaths were really high and the times during the first year where they, where they weren't so high. Over the year as a whole, deaths from heart attacks and things like that were not above average. And the other thing you've got to take into account is I'm not saying that none of those effects occurred. I, I believe they did occur. It's just that many of them would not be immediate. All right, someone just not going to hospital because they have a heart attack and then they die. That would be fairly prompt. But, you know, a lot of the things were being said were about deaths from cancers 
that might occur because of diagnosis being late. And yeah, it's very important for cancer diagnoses to happen promptly. And I don't think that happened promptly enough during the first wave. But it's not usual for someone to get a diagnosis of cancer or to miss a diagnosis of cancer to be missed. And then they're dead in a couple of weeks. You know, normally it'll take longer than that. It might take years. It's still regrettable, but it takes longer. So you're saying that because the extreme rise in deaths was concentrated to those couple of months, April and May, during the first wave, that implies to you that that was covid That implies to me that it was COVID because I don't think any other major reasons, I'm not saying every one of those excess deaths was COVID, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that in my opinion, the vast majority would have been because there is nothing else that can explain that that sort of doubling of deaths. Professor Kevin McConway, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. It strikes me that, as with many of these misgivings about the whole pandemic, how much you believe in them and how much they worry you depends on your political beliefs. This debate can go on literally forever because there's always going to be a detail that you can rip apart and think, well, isn't that based on someone's judgment and do we trust that person's judgment and blah, blah, blah. And I think to a certain extent there comes a point where we just have to say, you know, everyone did their best. But I think it's also fair to say, you know, going forward, COVID is probably going to come back. So Mm. let's hope that they've not got such a a messy situation this winter. You know, they've got a clearer idea because as we reported last week with the infection rates, which very much informed lockdowns Mm. and other measures in themselves as well. People have questioned the science on whether lockdowns were even an effective intervention. Mm. We don't want to be basing decisions on shaky science, basically. Absolutely. And a little bit like Tom Jefferson was saying, if it is the case that there's more of these underlying causes that are the problem that are kind of making COVID much worse for some people, that maybe it's a case of addressing that rather than putting in restrictions for everyone else. It feels like a slightly unfair thing to say as well, though, that that there does seem to be an attitude of, oh, well, they were going to die anyway, these old people. Mm, and, mm. you know, COVID just hastened COVID it. COVID pushed them off the edge. Yeah. And, and, I mean, yes, mm. if you're very old and very frail and at the end of your life and pneumonia pushes you quietly to the conclusion, then perhaps it could be seen as, a, as a, some kind of relief, release for that person. But generally, you know, people want to be given a fighting chance and, you know, the idea that, you know, COVID was just going to kill the vulnerable and... That also, it's, I find it slightly uncomfortable, personally. Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? Whereas, you know, we can talk to the counts come home about these figures and how much we trust the figures, and we're looking at kind of an amorphous face of person. But actually, when you look at the individuals, having something on the death certificate that isn't what you know to be true can be extremely, I imagine, distressing. You've got just a sample of that to close the podcast. Yeah, so I just wanted to take a moment to look at um, some stories that have been reported before about families who were were really unhappy about reporting on a death certificate of a relative. 
83-year-old Jesse Wilde, who was a resident in a care home in Wolverhampton, had COPD, and it was very much known to the family that she had this disease, which is a chronic lung disease. She was actually taken to hospital where she was treated for respiratory problems and then subsequently died, sadly. Shortly after her death, and despite a doctor's assessment of her shortly before her death, concluding that she had very severe COPD, the death certificate stated that she had died from COVID, despite Mm. the fact that she'd never actually tested positive for COVID. So obviously her family were hugely distressed and said that this compounded their grief massively. And subsequently they complained to the registrar and eventually, after months and months and months of fighting, they managed to get the death certificate changed but it's a classic example of how clearly it was in April right in the height of the first wave of the pandemic doctors were busy rushing around and obviously saw her symptoms were reflective of traditional Covid symptoms and thought oh well this must be Covid maybe there weren't access to tests it doesn't say here but either way that's terrible. And uh, the Daily Mail received dozens and dozens of letters like this. I remember reading them and having spoken to doctors who told me, no, this never happens. It never happens. We make absolutely sure if we've been looking after a patient, we know what COVID looks like. Mm. We've, We've seen it so many times now. We know. You know, clearly it is happening. I mean, there were stories of older men who had had a stroke and hadn't tested positive for COVID, but had had a high temperature and their families were told that they died of COVID. I mean... That's just seems ridiculous. And it really doesn't do anyone any favours by trying to shut down the conversation about it or, you know, dismiss this thing that is actually the reality for people. People know what they're going through and, and to be told, no, no, this isn't happening. Absolutely. I think it's infuriating. We can look at the statistics and say that actually on balance it looks like it's it's not happening on a very large scale enough to distort the numbers, but for the individuals who are going through the situation, it's very important that we listen to them. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's all we've got time for today. For all the latest health news, read this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and subscribe to the digital edition to get access to podcasts, opinion pieces and all extra wonderful stuff. And also tweet us on Twitter using the hashtag Medical Minefield. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Thank you.